um, Ma and Pa, Jacob and Lisa at the back for, actually, just thank Ma for doing the soup. Just thank Pa for bringing it. Um, just thank them for making the beautiful hot soup. So straight after church, I know it's hitting winter. This is our first Sunday, winter Sunday. And I could tell because I had about five texts from apologies. And I can tell because the seats are empty. So I just want us to encourage one another to get up and just shake off the coldness and come into the house and get warm next to one another, okay? Even though it's cold, that shouldn't be excuse. So hallelujah. Is that okay if I be frank? Okay, that's okay. Even though it's cold, it shouldn't be excuse. Hallelujah. So as I pray for us this morning, I just ask again that we open up our hearts and open up our ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. This morning, Father God, again, we come to your bread, we come to your table, and we break open the word. And I pray again that you divide it equally amongst us, that you deposit it into soil that is ready to receive what the Spirit is saying to this house tonight, to this morning. I thank you, Father God, that Spirit of God is continually working in us, moving us and progressing us to sanctification, that you, Father God, are doing a work in us regardless on what our condition is, our position is absolutely secure in you. So this morning, Father God, as we open the word, may you bless it to our bodies and may, Lord, may you use my mouth as as that which is from the throne of heaven in Jesus' name. And all God's saints say, amen. You may be seated on the way, way down, bless your neighbor. Hallelujah. So have a hot cup of coffee and beautiful pumpkin and ham soup. I've been out to the kitchen this morning. It's it's beautiful and thick and nice. Hallelujah. So all the children can have lunch before they go home. Well, this morning it is wonderful to see you all again. This is the first winter of the year. Um, I've been watching the news. Have you been watching the news? They're talking a lot about the cold front and they're talking a lot about crazy weather. They're thanking the Lord for the snow that's coming and everyone's cursing because they don't want snow to come. But who knows whom the sun has set free. Sun, sun, sun. The sun has set free is free indeed. And we love the sun. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Dee. Before I begin this word, I just got a story I want to share. Is that okay? Um, I want to share a story because there is a need in our house. And who knows if there is a need in our house, uh, the, the requirement for the need is in the house. So what we need to fulfill the need is in the house. And I want to share a story that you might have known. Um, all our leaders will know this story. All our facilitators will know this story because you have our, life, uh, our manual. But I want to share this sad story with you. Is that okay? Once upon a time, there was, was a church staff looking for volunteers to teach the children's church. Some adults said, I don't want to leave the sweet fellowship and the study in the main church service. But the drug dealer on the street said, not even the threat of jail will keep me from working with your children. Some adults said, I could never give time required to plan and go to teachers' meetings. But the drug dealer and even the porno dealer and the movie producer said, we will stay open whatever hours are necessary each and every day to win the mind of your children. Some adults said, I'm unsuited, I'm untrained and I'm unable to work with children in church. But the movie producer says, with study, 
will survey, will spend millions of dollars to produce whatever tunes your kids on. Some adults stay in their church service and enjoy their sweet fellowship. They, when often unable to serve or even attend weekly church services because we're just so busy in life, right? Everyone's so busy. Just don't have time. When Sunday comes, the children went to their classes, just like you said, saw this morning. And no one was there except one leader going from one room to another, trying to control them, trying to teach them the things of God. The young children soon quit coming to church because no one's interested in them. Not here, I'm talking about a sad story somewhere else. And were instantly listening to those who had special interest in the things they did and installed into their minds that which would bring them into bondage and to live a lifestyle they promoted. This is a very sad story. Churches are closing all around this nation because there are no second generations to continue the life of the church. It is said of a teacher that they have the privilege of learning twice, once in preparation and once in teaching children. Teachers and others in the house ministry always receive more than they give. In reading this sad story, I hope it touches something in your heart and prepares you that one day you may say, here I am, use me. This is a true story. This is my encouragement for us this morning. If we are not investing in our next generation, then others will invest in them. The movie dealer, the porno dealer, the drug dealer, they'll invest their time in your children because we are too busy fellowshipping together. So this is my encouragement. Whether you're called or not, we're all part of the body of Christ, which means we are jointly joined together, supplying to one another's needs. If you are jointly joined, then please supply. Our children need help. I'll say it again. Our children need you. (laughs) I'll say it again. You don't need to pray and ask God and fast 40 days. Am I called to children's ministry? Because most of us are not called to children's ministry, but we're all called. Amen. So I ask you, and I'm not even going to, I'm not even asking you, can you please shake off your laziness and help our children's church? Amen. God bless you. Now, are you ready to hear the word? (laughs) So, Pastor Jay, Pastor Jay. He is going to be available for any of those who would like to participate in children's ministry. That means that sometimes you're not going to sit on these pretty blue seats. Sometimes you're running upstairs on ugly seats. For now, they're going to have the best soon. They're going to have the very best. So if you have a, if you, um, have a heart, not for children, but just have a heart, then I ask you to put your name and give your name to Jordan. Is that okay? Praise Jesus. Okay, well, it's wonderful to see you all today. Hallelujah. Well, 
Last week I shared about the three illustrated three stages of bondage. Did we get that illustration? I mean, our guy was so awesome wrapped up in that tape. I highlighted the picture of Lazarus about spiritual sickness, spiritual death, and then bondage. Amen. And what it looks like when we're in those places. And you and I understand that we're going to go through fluctuations in our walk with God, not leaps with God, walks with God, that we're going to sometimes feel that we're in bondage. And we've got to address those stuff in our lives. Amen. Well, this morning, let me see, Afina. Can you get this on? Get it on. Ha. This morning, and you're going to go, that's not how you spell toxin. That's my way of spelling it. This morning, I'll be continuing our detox series. And if you'd like to title it today, I'm sharing about the toxin called unforgiveness. Someone say toxin of unforgiveness. That's a new language. It's in my dictionary this morning. The toxin called unforgiveness. The word toxin... The word toxin is a medical term often associated with cleansing of the body. I, I do tox, I, I, um, I detox my body, um, probably every three weeks. I had my detox yesterday and I went through 24 hours of fast and just drinking water and detoxing all this yucky stuff out of my body. So every few weeks I go through what we call a detox process. And it's a medical term. Detoxing is a medical term. It's about cleaning your body from impure substances. The word detox is a process or a period of time in which one absorbs from or gets rid of the body of toxins of unhealthy substances. So in these days, we try and get rid of sugar, we try and get rid of saturated fat, all that stuff that is not good for you, and we try and eat what the Bible tells us is good for us, which is, you know, vegetables and grain. Well, back in the Genesis times, it was just grain, really. It was just grain and seed. So there is a thing called tox, uh, toxin. When we're detoxing, we're taking the toxins out of our body. Our spirit is also a subject of spiritual toxin. And we are all in need of cleansing, spiritual cleansing. I don't care how long you've been in the Lord. I think more than anything, we need to spiritually detox our lives as much as we possibly can. If we can, the Bible says that, you know, before you sleep, give up grudges. It's like detoxing all that yucky stuff out of your life. When you wake up, he see, he tells us to, to eat what is good for us, which is the word of God says that every time you wake up, you open your mouth and you praise God because he's given you breath in your lungs. It's like putting in that good stuff and taking out that yucky stuff. Amen. There are invisible toxins like doubt, disappointment, discouragement, even unforgiveness that can contaminate even the strongest faith person in this room. It can contaminate you and I without us even knowing that we have contamination in our body. And it leaves behind symptoms that affect our body physically. When we are contaminated, it affects our body physically. So as we open up the Word of God this morning, I want each of us to examine our own hearts. The detox series is about us examining ourselves and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal areas in our lives which need to be detoxed or which needs to be dealt with. So the series, this, this title is called the T2T-Dox, um, Unforgiveness. Uh, uh, it's about unforgiveness. So the verse I'm going to read from is the book of Luke. Luke. 
it's not right. Does it say Luke 6 up here? Luke 17. I put on the wrong. Apologies. Turn to the book of Luke 17. It should be the scripture that is up there. Please ignore Luke 6. It's not in Luke 6. It's Luke 17. If you would do the my you know do the honors, could you stand up and let's read this word together? Hallelujah. Because this is good for us, right? We're exercising. This is part of detoxing. Let's read this together. Then he said to the disciples, "It is impossible that no offences shall come, but woe to him through whom they do come." It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. Take heed to yourself. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. Verse 4. Thank you up there. Is it up there? And if he sins against you seven times a day, and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. Verse 5. And the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. So the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree or a sycamore tree. I'm going to just bring, put sycamore tree. It's the same thing, all right? But in the King James Version, it's called a sycamore tree. He says, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea and it would obey you. Take a seat. See, God taught his disciples about offenses. Someone say offenses. And how to remove these toxins from one's lives. He taught his disciples that the effect of offense actually turns to unforgiveness. Say unforgiveness. When we hold on to offense, it causes unforgiveness. The illustration that Jesus talks about, he, he likens the offense to a tree. This tree is called the um, mulberry or sycamore tree that is well known in this part of of the uh, Middle East. When you understand everything about the tree, you will understand the effects of what unforgiveness does to our lives. See, Jesus is is no fool. He's, He's so wise in all he does. I need a tree. Can someone find me a tree? Or a fake plant or something? Just put a fake plant here or something. So Jesus uses a tree to show the illustration of what a person who is not dealing with, um, who is not dealing with unforgiveness right looks like. And he uses a tree. He tells his disciples, see this tree? Oh, that's kind of ugly tree. Can you put it up here? <laughs> Thank you. This is, this is our sycamore tree. It's huge. All right. So if we can understand everything that Jesus is going to try and teach about the tree, we can understand that there can be offenses in our lives which lead to unforgiveness, which leads to bitterness. 
When we have an offense which is not dealt with, unforgiveness comes. And Jesus says in, the, in Luke 17:3, he said he told his disciples that they needed to forgive those who sinned against them. And then he took them to another level. He said, even if your brother sins against you seven times today, and he comes back and he says sorry, you need to forgive him every time he repents. Now I don't know about you, but it's hard enough for us to forgive once. But Jesus is requiring us to forgive them no matter how many times we've got to keep on forgiving. Because as he said, if you don't forgive, you will be like that sycamine tree. What is so special about this sycamine tree that Jesus is talking about? See, for us to forgive, it takes a lot of work. It takes us to die to self. It takes us to deal with our pride. It takes us to give up what is not rightfully ours when we are forgiving. Forgiveness does not mean we forget what someone has done to us. Forgiveness means we're releasing ourselves from bondage and God can deal with you. Because the Bible says that what you bind on earth, bind, shall be bound in heaven. If you're going to bind somebody on earth, God says, the principle of the word of God says, it will be bound in heaven. If you're binding someone, how are you expecting God to deal with that somebody? So what you bind on earth, the Bible says, shall be bound in heaven. And what you loose, so this person, what you loose on earth shall be loose in heaven, which means that you're giving control back to the Father. Imagine if every one of us was loose from other people's bondage. Because we have all been offended. I don't know, but I don't know anyone that has not carried offense in their life. We've all been hurt. We've all been betrayed. We've all gone through a place that we've had to lose somebody and forgive them. Now, we may not forget what they've done, but we certainly forgive them. Forgetting is the process. Forgiving is the process. Amen? Is that okay? So here is Jesus, and he's telling his disciples that they need to forgive. And it doesn't matter if it's seven times, you've got to forgive them. And then the disciples says, Jesus, increase our faith. Now that is something I would say. If Jesus says, I have to forgive them, doesn't matter what they do, no matter how many times a day, I've got to forgive them. I would be like the disciples, Lord, you've got to increase my faith. I don't know how I'm going to forgive that person. I don't know how I'm going to get over what they've done to me. I don't know why I should, why should I forgive them? So you increase my faith so I'm able to forgive them as many times as I'm required to forgive them. Amen? So I would be exactly like the disciples this morning. I would say, Lord, just increase my faith. Then, when he says this, Jesus began to teach his disciples. We've got to understand, when Jesus spoke to his disciples, he never preached to his disciples. He taught his disciples and he preached to the multitudes. He taught his disciples and he preached to the multitudes. So this morning, I hope that you will be blessed by what the Lord opens up to us and that you will take this tree out of your life. Take the tree out of your life. Amen. Jesus started to teach them and he says to them, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to the sycamine tree, be, if you have faith 
as a mustard seed, you can say to this tree, he says, this tree. So it tells me that Jesus is by that tree. It tells me that they're walking and he, t- he uses that tree as an illustration. He says, you know that tree? If you have faith as small as the mustard seed, see that tree? And the disciples would have understood straight away when he said that tree. Why? Because they know that tree. They understand about the fruits of the tree. They understand the roots of the tree. They understand what they use out of that tree. Everything about the tree they knew about. So Jesus uses as an illustration. He says, you know this tree? If you have faith as small as the mustard seed, this tree... He says, if you do it by faith, he said, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea, it would obey you. Why did Jesus use the sycamore tree to, as an example or to symbolize the effect of unforgiveness in our life? Well, I hope to show you this morning. Um, I've been reading a lot about this tree and it's doing my head in because there's so much to learn about this tree. Oh, gosh, that's bad. The first thing we have to understand is the sycamore tree has a very large and deep root structure. Very large and very deep root structure. That is what the roots of a sycamore tree looks like and they go really deep down into the ground. Jesus tells his disciples, if you have faith, you can uplift that stuff. Disciples are probably thinking, I would need faith to do that. I would need, you need to make my faith bigger because I don't know, it's so hard to kill that tree. And Jesus, he's using the tree as an example. The sycamore tree is known to be have one of the deepest root um, structures in all of the Middle East. It's a robust tree. It's a strong tree. And it goes um, up to 30 feet, maybe higher in some places. Because of its roots are deep down in the earth, it's very difficult to kill this particular tree. So difficult. Why? Because it's deep down. See, hot weather would, has little effect on this tree because when the weather comes and it's so dry and it's so hot, the roots of the tree go deep down into the ground and it finds water. It finds what it needs to keep that tree alive. You've got to hear me. The root of the tree, it goes so deep down that it doesn't need anything on the outside now to feed it. Everything that that tree needs to sustain itself is from its inside, not from the outside. You know that tree? If you have faith, you can pull it out. It will obey you from the roots. And so you don't need anything to feed your unforgiveness because there's nothing around you that can touch what's inside of you. When we are carrying unforgiveness, the roots of that tree is so deep down, it's going to the places where we've hidden all our hurts, all our pains, all our offenses, all our issues, and it's feeding what's above the surface. Even cutting the tree at its base, if they cut the tree at its base, it would never guarantee the death of that tree. Why? Because the roots don't need anything. uh, The tree doesn't need anything on the outside to keep it alive. Everything that the tree needs to stay alive is underneath. Everything to keep bitterness and unforgiveness alive in our lives is hidden underneath. Are you okay? I'm just talking about the tree this morning. 
In other words, this tree is so difficult to kill and to remove. And like this tree, unforgiveness must be dealt with from the root or it will keep coming up over and over and over and over and over and over again. If we just cut it off the top, it's okay. You haven't touched the very life of it because the life of this tree, it's in its roots. And its roots go deep down in the soil of man's heart and it finds all that bitterness and all that stuff that we've hidden and all that stuff that we hide and all the offenses and all the unforgiveness and all the pain and all the pain from the past and the roots of that tree just keep sucking and bringing life up and keeps the tree alive. A sycamore tree is so powerful and Jesus is telling them you need to forgive. Because if woe to you, woe to you if you've been offended. Because you might as well get something and put it around your neck and be thrown into the sea because it's so hard. And if you have faith, he says you can uplift that tree, you can pull it all out from its roots. The roots of unforgiveness goes deep into human soul. And it feeds off other offenses that lies hidden inside a man's heart. So Jesus uses this tree as a powerful example of what unforgiveness can do. The second thing about this tree, oh man, that's terrible. The sycamore tree, it's wood, it's preferred wood for building coffins. They use that particular tree to build coffins. You want to know what unforgiveness does? Well, look at the tree. Are you okay? Is this okay? This is detoxing, right? In Egypt and in the Middle East, the sycamore tree was considered to be the preferred wood for building caskets and to build build coffins. It's, it grows quickly, this particular tree, and it's accessible everywhere around the Middle East. You can find this tree anywhere. It can grow in any environment. It flourishes the most when it's really, really dry. And this kind of condition is the kind of condition in the Bible times. In Jesus' time, it was dry. It was always hot. Just like this tree that grows very quickly, if unforgiveness is not dealt with at the root, it grows very quickly. Unforgiveness grows so quickly, and if you don't deal with it at its roots, it will grow fast and it will overtake other areas in our lives. And it also ruins relationships. The sycamore tree grows its best in dry places. Do you know what? Unforgiveness grows its best in dry places. Because when we're spiritually dry, we're not surrendering this to the Lord. When we're spiritually dry and our tree keeps growing because our roots keep going deeper into the places that we've hidden away from the world, but only God knows. Unforgiveness leads to your coffin. I'm only like I'm examining the tree, not I'm just saying. This is Jesus telling his disciples, you know, see that sycamore tree? They, they knew that that tree was what they would use to do coffins. It was accessible. It was cheap wood. They were able to cut it down and it'll grow fast. Cut it down, grow fast. Unforgiveness will lead to death. Harboring unforgiveness will spiritually bury you as so quickly than any other thing in our lives. 
unforgiveness. What's the third thing about this tree? The sycamore tree produces a fig that is very bitter to eat. There's so much about the tree. I couldn't put it all in or else I'll be here for two or three hours. But this particular tree produces a fruit that is extremely bitter. And the fruit of the sycamore tree was cheap and it was affordable for the poor people. Listen to this. Only the poor will eat from that tree. That's why we break the mentality of poverty over our lives because we have poor thinking, poor attitudes, poor lifestyle, poor everything. Our mentality is about poverty. So this tree had a fig, but this fig, fig was so bitter that they couldn't afford, poor people couldn't afford very good figs, so they would go to this tree and they would eat this fig in order to consume this entire fruit of this tree. They would have to bite from it and put it down and come back later because it was so bitter. They couldn't eat this fruit all at once. They would just go back, bite it, put it down, go do whatever, and then they'll bite it and put it down and go. You know when you have something sour, you bite it and put it down and you kind of pick it up because it's in front of you and you pick it up and you bite it and put it down. When you have a sour apple or something, you bite it and you put it down and, and you bite it. Well, that's what they would do with this particular tree and this particular fruit. They couldn't eat the whole fig tree, the whole fig on its own. They had to eat it a little bit at a time. Friends, the fruit of unforgiveness leads us to bitterness if it is not, if it is not dealt with correctly. And like a fig, most people who are bitter are filled with unforgiveness. They chew on their feelings. They chew on their feelings. They chew on it for long periods of time. They nibble onto that bitter fruit. Then they put it down on the table and they go back to the table of pain and memories and then they pick it up again and they bite from that fruit again and then they go away and they go on with life and then they go back to the table of pain and memories again and they pick up that same bitter fruit again and they keep nibbling at it and they keep talking about this, how bad life is and how upset they are with this particular person and then they go back and they bite again and then they come back out again. And that's what it was like for this particular tree. You can nibble on bitterness for a while and then you, you pause and you digest all that, what you've eaten. And after that, you reflect on all the offenses. You bite and you reflect. You bite and you reflect. Go back to the memory table. Start nibbling on bitterness again. Take one little bite on another and then another and then another and then another. And day after day, you're biting on this, this fig. As they continue to think and meditate on your offenses, this bitterness towards other people continues to grow at a high pace. See, sometimes we don't realize how fast that unforgiveness grows in our lives. We don't realize that we're eating now from the fruit of the tree and it's so bitter in our lives and we become sour and bitter people. Because of what we're eating. You are what you eat. The fourth thing about this tree that I want to talk to you about is it, its pollination, how it pollinates. It only pollinates by wasps. The wasp would put its sting into the, right into the heart of the fruit. 
So in order for this tree to reproduce its fruit, it needed to have a sting. The fig or the fruit that we carry is just reproducing sting. I'm never going to love him again. I'm never going to allow him to hurt me. I'm never ever going to trust another man in my whole life again. It sounds like there's a sting and the sting is reproducing more fruit. You hear it with many women that have come out of violent homes and violent relationships. I'm never going to let a man in my life again. I'm never going to let him come close to me. I'm never going to fall in love. You hear it when these unforgiveness even towards God. I'm never going to trust God ever again. Think of how many times you have heard a person carry unforgiveness say, what he did to me so badly, I will never let him come close enough to do it again. I've been around many women that have that. They say those words. And I understand where that pain's coming from. But I also understand that that pain's coming from unforgiveness. And all they continue to do is eat from the fruit. Bite at it. Come back. Bite at it. Come back. Jesus says that in order to get rid this, that, of this tree that we need faith, not giant faith. We just need mustard seed faith. Just small mustard seed faith. By using this word, Jesus is telling us, telling the disciples that it doesn't need great faith. To, it just needs, we just need a small amount of faith to deal with unforgiveness. Any person who has ever had a tiny measure of faith can speak to unforgiveness and command that unforgiveness to leave. The problem with dealing with unforgiveness is that we don't want to deal. And if we're going to go through a season of detoxing and as, as the platform is going to be used to deal with porn, sex, unforgiveness, marriage, relationships, divorce, whatever it is that the Lord allows us to share over this platform, we've got to be challenging ourselves. And this morning... I wanted to bring the sycamine tree to our attention because I always ask God, why do you use things to explain something? Because there's depth in what he's using. There's truth in what he's using. And at this particular time for unforgiveness, he is using this sycamine tree. So we just need a little bit of faith. A little bit of faith to uproot this tree really down deep in its roots so my question this morning is to us is there things that we have not or is there somebody and I don't I don't need you to wave at me because I think all our hands will should be up or if not you're lying <laughs> I'm just saying is there any place in your heart that you need to forgive and do you know we do this Christian thing I'm not saying this church but I've seen it at churches, like we do this. Oh, yeah, I forgive. And then when they say, well, bless him. No, I'm not blessing him, but I forgive him. That's not forgiveness. That's your forgiveness on your terms. Jesus forgave even whilst you were still sinning. So how many of us are carrying 
and eating from the sycamore tree. How many of us are allowing this trees and the roots of this trees to go down deep and you think that it is things around you that is causing you to be to cause you unforgiveness, but it's actually inside of you that's causing unforgiveness. Nothing's feeding it except you. Once that tree starts growing its roots in you, nothing's feeding it except you and I. We are feeding that tree of unforgiveness. The second thing is that that tree's wood is so strong, so cheap, so accessible, it grows in dry places, that all we are going to do is build our own coffin. That is what unforgiveness does. How many of us have built coffins in our life. We are awesome coffin makers. I can imagine how many coffins that I've made in my life, which I've had to repent myself and say, Lord, I'm so sorry. I can't forgive yet, but help me on my journey to forgiveness. At least that is something that God can work in me. Uh, How about the fruit? How many of you and me are eating from the fruit of this tree now? You just eat from it, can't eat the whole fruit at once, go back one day, then you get back in your clicks the next day and then you start talking about it again. You keep chewing on this fruit of bitterness. Chew on this fruit a bit at a time. You go back to the tables of memories, you talk about the pain, you talk about how she didn't do things right and he didn't do things right or how the church didn't do this or how your boss treated you like this and you keep chewing on this fruit over and over and over again. So what is your desire today? Do you wish to be free from bitterness, unforgiveness and offence? Do you wish your soul to be free from this tree? Because it's up to you to deal with the tree. No words from this platform can deal with your tree. Only you can deal with your tree. Are you ready to rip out the roots that are so clearly in your heart and only you and God knows what's in your heart? Is there unforgiveness from for your parents? Is there unforgiveness from your husband? Is there unforgiveness from your wife? Unforgiveness from that you had towards your pastors, your leaders, your boss? Is there unforgiveness to the mayor? Unforgiveness to the Prime Minister, unforgiveness towards Donald Trump. I don't know, I'm just throwing out words like who that you need to forgive. What is there that God is revealing to you that you need to forgive? Amen. Because if we don't deal with it from the root, it'll keep resurfacing. I want us to say this this morning. Can we read that? God, that's really low. It's really small. Jamaica has to start doing my PowerPoints. It says this. Let's read this if you can. Lord, I thank you for speaking to my heart about getting rid of bitterness, unforgiveness and offence. I know from experience when I am consumed with offence. I lose my joy and peace and my relationship with other people are horribly affected. I thank you for giving me all the faith I need to deal with this issue. Lord, today I'm asking you to help me start the process 
of ripping those foul roots out of the souls of my heart and soul. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Short, sweet. I had a vision today and I want to share this with you. I just have to be careful how I do it. I want you to pretend. Jordan, can you get up on the stage? I want you to pretend this is a stone. That's a stone. I'm giving it to Pastor. Don't eat that stone. No, no, no. Up here. No, up here. We have to be very careful that we don't... Priest, can you go up there by Jay, please? Oh, thanks. Tashan, can you go up there, please? Auntie Gloria, can you go up? Boys on the side down. Stone. Christine, he's a stone. Yvonne, this is a stone. Pretend you've all got a stone in your hand. We have to be very careful as the body of Christ. That we don't hold such judgment towards one another that we think we have a right. I saw this as I was worshipping today. Can those who have my stone stand up? Jesus says, if you have not sinned, cast your stone. When there is something happening in our lives, it is so easy for us to look at other people. Especially when their life looks worse than yours we think that they should be living a certain way we think that they shouldn't be doing what they're doing so in our minds especially our teams up here I'm talking about our teams because as their teams are worshipping I was like so blessed by them I was actually watching Warren and I said Lord this Warren are you here is he at go I'm going to so slap him. I'm talking about him now. I'm going to so talk about him now. I was looking at Warren and I just thought to myself, he is such a faithful man. But what could happen if others don't know the story of that faithful man? You could be sitting there throwing stones. I'm not saying you so, but maybe. And the Lord said to me this morning to remind you, that we all have stones in our hands. So if you have not sinned, cast the first stone. Please be careful that as the body of Christ, we don't hold offence because we think or we feel that someone deserves punishment. Throw the first stone. Have any of you not sinned? Bronnie, why can't you throw this stone? You're just like them. Will you sit down then? I don't want... Oh, no. (laughs) 
Do you know what I'm trying to show you, friends? You don't know what's happening in their lives. And we can be so quick, and that's what, like the sycamore tree, man, it grows so fast. We've got to check our own heart. We think, oh, no, Pastor Jay, he, he, I saw him last night at the pub. Give me the stone. And so Pastor Jay's on that drums, and you're thinking, he was at the pub last night. And then all of a sudden you start thinking, he shouldn't be on the drums. Who made you God? I saw him at the pub. Who made you God? If you, I'm not, I don't know. I don't know why I use the pub. I go to the pub. There's nothing wrong with the pub. But I'm just saying, I'm like, just for you religious people who maybe don't go down to the local tavern like I do, he was witnessing. Do you know what I mean? The Bible says, oh, if you have not sinned, throw the first stone. And that's what I saw today. And I saw people throwing stones today. And you better stop throwing stones in this house. I don't know who you were, but the Lord showed me stones. He showed me people throwing stones. We've got to stop throwing stones at each other. You don't know what's happening in Jay's life. You don't know what's happening in Tashan's life. Auntie Chloe, you don't know what's happening in her. She might have swore. But how do you know she swore she was speaking in Filipina? She might have, but don't throw stones at her. Perez. Yeah, maybe he just... (laughs) Oh, mum's glasses come off. (laughs) Maybe he's struggling with something, but please don't throw the stone unless you have not sinned. The reason I bring that up is because sometimes we all have a sycamore tree that has fruit that we have, but sometimes we use hands with weapons that is hurting the very people who are trying to cut down their tree. Don't hurt people because they have a tree. Help them. He says, He says, um, Jesus says to him, tell them, like confront them. So we tell them, you're doing wrong. It's up to them. Amen. Is that okay? I saw that vision also this morning when the worship team are singing the heavens come. Jesus is throwing to everyone, giving the stone for everybody. Mm-mm. He's giving it. He's giving to everybody, just like it's all of us in here giving. It's a clay made of clay, like a gold one. That stone that he's giving it to everybody, to all of us, that you're sharing that whoever wants to throw the stone, like giving it to all of us, that, yeah, that's what I saw. Hallelujah. So she saw a stone, I saw stones. So be careful we don't throw stones. Amen. Can we love one another? And can we forgive one another? Amen. Thank you, you for sinners. <laughs> Hallelujah. So I'm going to finish with this. If we need to deal with the sycamore tree in our lives, then can we deal with it? Um, And listen, if we just keep cutting it down at its base, it keeps coming back up. We've got to really get down to the root. This is where you and God have your intimate time with him, through prayer, fasting, and through the word of God. We can deal with this unforgiveness. Faith as small as a mustard seed can move, pull this tree out and throw it into the sea. Amen? Faith is small as a mustard seed. Be outstanding in the presence of the Lord.